Hello, it's Jerry Lissio. Welcome to Clubhouse Conversations. Every summer in Kansas City, 25 men have one simple mission, to win. Starting pitchers, corner power hitters, middle relievers, speedy gloves up the middle, closers, utility infielders, backup catchers, and they're each remembered here. From 1969 to last year, all Royals careers have been preserved with the most comprehensive collection of facts, memories, and stories in existence. Welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. Well, there's two main goals here on Clubhouse Conversation. Number one, to cover the current Royals inside and out with interviews from the players themselves and in-depth analysis and breakdowns of Royals games and Royals transactions. Number two, and my favorite part of the website, is preserving Kansas City Royals history by talking to all the players themselves. You know, you can find out a lot on some amazing websites like Baseball Reference and Baseball Almanac and on the back of baseball cards, etc. Old media guides, you can see the stats, the basics, but you can't get those stories. Those funny stories, the tragic stories, the memories... And that's why we like to talk to every single player that we can find here on Clubhouse Conversation who played for the Royals and preserve those stories here forever. So they're always able to be found by friends, family, and fans of the player and of the ball club around the country. Now today, currently, it's Saturday, May 17th. I had the honor of talking to the first player ever signed in Royals history. His name is Jerry Lissio. Jerry Lissio, the first ever player signed by the Royals on April 25th, 1968. He was a pitcher when the Royals signed him, had played with the Twins and Astros organizations. The Sporting News did several articles on him. Uh, He was once one of the top prospects in all of baseball until ultimately a shoulder injury would end things early for Jerry Lissio. We also found out during this amazing interview you're about to hear that he was the first Houston Astro when they switched over from the Houston Colt 45s, which I didn't know. Just some awesome memories from a very nice man. Now, he came down from his hometown in Brainerd, Minnesota, was so happy to talk Royals baseball, to talk about his career. He drove all the way down with his spouse, Glenna. They stayed at the Holiday Inn right across from the ballpark. And room 226 is where we had this amazing conversation. I'm going to share it with you right now. And it's with much pleasure that I welcome Jerry Lissio back to Kansas City. Listen in. Here you go. Thank you, Dave. It's uh, nice to be back. How long has it been? We're talking 80s, you, you thought, maybe? Late 70s, something like that? Yeah, probably was back back about then. It's changed a bit since you were last here. You'll be at the game tonight against Baltimore and uh, be on field with Kurt Nelson. Uh, how, how has your trip been so far? Pretty good? Very good. Very good. You bet. Very nice. Well, let's start way back when you were growing up in your hometown of Brainerd, Minnesota. Um, where did your love for baseball come from, and uh, whom do you credit most for your helping develop as a baseball player? Well, Dave, uh, <laughs> I started at four years old. Uh you had to be five years old to play peewees, and we had this athletic director. Uh, at that time, he took care of all the activities in town. And he uh, wanted me to play uh, at four years old with the peewees because a lot of my friends were playing. They were older than I was. So that's where I got started, and I always loved sports and all kinds of sports. But I really loved baseball and, uh, of course, the summer times, you know, and play every day. So that's where I got my start, actually, at four years old, playing peewees. And then, uh, of course, went into uh, Little League after that. Uh, I believe that was probably about nine years old, 9, 10, 11, or 10, 11, 12, something like that. Played Little League, and then then we advanced into Pony League after that. And then uh, Legion Ball and High School Ball. And in between that time, I played for the... uh, for the Brainerd uh, Braves, which was a city city team, so I I played plenty of baseball. Now at Brainerd, Minnesota is that's where Paul Bunyan's from, correct? You got it. You okay. got a big Paul's up there. Yep. <laughs> In about about an yep about another uh, forty miles, forty five miles to the north is his wife Luc- Lucille Kinsack. <laughs> Lives up in Hackensack, but there's a big statue of her. Her name's Lucille Lucette, I think. Lucette Kinsack. 
<laughs> That's great. I remember uh, watching the movie Fargo, and they come to Brainerd, and there's a big statue of Paul Bunyan. So <laughs> there you go. I'm getting my history from movies. Um, so I was reading lots about your uh, successful Legion career then in Brainerd from 1961 to 1963. Now, they have your name as Jerry, parentheses, Chick Lesio. What Was that a nickname, or what was the Chick for? Yeah, if anybody uh, moves to Brainerd now, they don't know who Chick Lesio is. It's always Jerry Lesio to them, but... All the locals always knew me by chick, and that's what they most of them call me. It started at a young age again when I was playing baseball. That I I would uh, I would pitch. I'd play shortstop. I'd play center field. But at the time at shortstop, there was this uh, shortstop with the Chicago White Sox called Chico Carascal, and uh, they started. He was he was a pretty good shortstop and. Evidently, I guess I could handle my position all right also, and they just called called me Chico, and uh, then they just shortened it to Chick. So from then on, uh, to a lot of people, my name wasn't Jerry Lissio, it was Chick Lissio. Huh. Now, you were telling me, too, before we before the interview started here, that you once hit a 506-foot home run. Tell us the story. Well, we got to the uh, first time we got to the state tournament in Legion, and it was my senior year in high school, 1963. And uh, this pitcher threw me a couple curveballs and uh, for balls, and I kind of guessed fastball. I usually don't guess at pitches, but but I guessed at it, and I hit it pretty good. And it went over the trees. We played at Parade Stadium in uh, Minneapolis, and uh, it went over the trees and across the street. And about hit a kid uh, sitting on the steps of Dunwoody Technic College. <laughs> now I didn't know this till they brought it back, and they, the kid, I guess, that said he about got hit by a ball, <laughs> and uh, so all the scouts and everything, of course, they they knew it was a long home run. So I I don't know who it was. One of them said it had to go about 506 feet, I guess, to uh, to hit on them steps. And that's with a wooden bat, too, right? A wooden bat, yeah. That's all I've ever used was a wooden bat all my life. Wow. That's amazing. So were you a better hitter or pitcher then growing up? Oh, I don't know. I was probably equal. I uh, I, I always had power. I could, I could hit long, long home runs. And uh, I always loved to play every day, I, I, you know, no matter where it was, uh, whether it was shortstop or center field, growing up, that's what I did. And then, uh, of course, pitched. But uh, w when you get older, of course, you, you don't pitch every day. That's the part I didn't like about pitching because I, uh, I like to play every day, and I like to hit. I like to hit home runs. And I, when I played center field, I I just love to to run after the ball, you know. I love to go go get it. Uh, same thing with shortstop. I had a good arm. Pitching wise, now where I loved pitching was that nobody can do anything till you throw the ball. You know, you felt you're like your king on the hill, and and that's the way I felt. And I thought, hey, nobody's going to do anything till I throw it, and it's up to me what happens, you know. So, so that was the good part about that. So then you got signed by the Twins originally. Um, what do you remember about the day you signed with the Twins, and then how did they discover you? <laughs> to top off, what I really remember is that I was scouted by a lot of scouts, and the day that I did sign with the Twins was down in uh, the old Met Stadium against the Yankees. And right after I had signed for just a small bonus, they didn't pay too, too much bonuses back then, uh, this little guy with a little straw hat, I'll never forget him. He was with Houston, uh, Scott with Houston, and he followed me around uh, quite a bit in my, my career. And he didn't know I had just come up from the offices down at the, in the Twins' uh, offices there and signed with him, and he offered me $100,000, which was very few of uh, uh, the players at that time had signed for $100,000. And so I just about... <laughs> I really wanted to go back down the office and <laughs> and cancel, yeah, cancel with the twins. But I wasn't brought up that way, so I had to put up with the with the way things were. Oh my gosh, that's unheard of money in those days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. I think uh, Rick Reichert, I think around that time, signed for two hundred thousand. I think, but 
there was a few that signed around a hundred thousand, but not a lot. Wow. wow. So I, I kind of missed that money to today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. So were the Twins your favorite team growing up then? Um, not really. Not really. When I grew up as a kid, I was a Giant fan. I liked the Giants, and they had a minor league team in Minneapolis. Uh, Minneapolis Millers, and, uh, and I believe Boston was there in St. Paul, I think. That was back in the day when uh, Yastrzemski had played there at uh, St. Paul, I think it was, and uh, Saints and, uh, and Mays played uh, with the Minneapolis Millers. And so the Giants was always my, uh, my favorite team. Uh, my best players was uh, Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle. Mm. And, and I, I, I knew them both, and uh, uh, I, I kind of patterned myself after both of them, especially Mays. He was probably my, my favorite. He could do everything. He could run. He could throw. He could hit. And he was a smart ball player. And I, I, uh, I, wa I wanted to always be like that, too. I always wanted to be a heady, smart ball player. So, and I think I, I think I was that. Uh, so unfortunately, my career ended in with a shoulder injury. But uh, as far as signing with Minnesota, I uh, I had several teams, just about every team, at one time or another I could have signed with. But I uh, decided to go to the University of Minnesota on a full ride baseball scholarship. Uh, a lot of people remember uh, the coach there was Dick Siebert, he was a famous uh, baseball coach for the University of Minnesota, since passed. But uh, I got the scholarship to go there, and unfortunately, you had to take the test called the ACT and the <laughs> SAT. <laughs> and I uh, passed one, and the other one I came up a little short on. And uh, the commissioner of the Big Ten at that time has stated that I couldn't turn around and pay my way into the Minnesota and play. I had to wait huh. two years. Huh. So at that time, I thought, well, maybe I should get my professional career started. You know, so there was a few, uh, probably ten teams that uh, found out that I wasn't going to be going to school, and uh, and contacted me, and. Uh, I didn't know that I probably should have called them all up and said, well, I'm not mm -hmm. going to go to school. But I just didn't know any better. So I listened to these 10 teams and stuff, but I did want schooling put in my contract when I signed. So there was about three of them out of that that would do that. And Minnesota was one. So that's why I originally signed with Minnesota. They they gave me a, a bonus and, and, uh, and gave me my schooling. Who was the scout that kind of discovered you from the Twins? you remember? Who, was there one guy in particular? Or? Yeah, the main guy was Angelo Giuliani. Did he sign anybody else famous that you know of? I don't know okay. for sure. Um, so you, that first season in 1964, pitched. You were 7-4 and four at the 2.35 ERA with the Melbourne Twins of the Cocoa Rookie League. That first year in professional baseball, anything stick out about that first season? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Uh, coming right out of high school now, uh, when you see kids that joined uh, some of the other teams, they were when school let out, college and stuff. There was some of the top pitchers and hitters from the Big Ten and the Pac-10 and whatever league or you know, school you know, leagues that they played in around the country. And I uh, I pitched a no hitter my first game, and that 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 I I kind of cherished because it was my first year out of out of high school to do that. Did you really? And That's also. Great. Also, uh, the last game of the season was a combined no-hitter. So I started and finished my rookie league in pretty good fashion. How is that not on the Internet? That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So two no-hitters that year. So you played with uh, a few former major leaguers that season. One of them was Rod Carew. There was Danny Morris as well. Uh, what was it like playing with Rod Carew? Any early memories of him? Yeah, Rod, uh, Rod was a very good uh, baseball player. Uh, Played second base, good speed, good bat. The thing that Rod had to learn that uh, I'll, I'll mention to you right now was that Rod could never pull a ball. And that's what made him such a good hitter is because that's all he had to learn was how to pull a ball. 
anything. I don't care if you pitch him inside or across the plate or outside. He would be hitting at the left field, the down left field field line. So I'm sure the Twins noticed that and they thought, well, if we can ever get the kid to turn on the ball, you know, we got a kid that can spray it from foul line to foul line, you know. So that's what uh, stood out uh, with with Rod. He, uh, I don't know if he was a little homesick or or what it was, but Rod Rod was a little in his own way, you know. But very good ball player, and we're still friends to today. So he had a great career. You all know. Another guy you're friends with that we were talking about. By the way, happy birthday today. Happy 69th birthday. We were oh, talking. thank you. Thank you. You didn't have to meet, mention that. but, but <laughs> I mean 25th but, birthday. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, thank you. <laughs> Another guy we were talking about, though, that unfortunately passed on this date you know, many years ago was, or not many years ago, except recently, actually, was Harmon Killebrew. How did you uh, get to know him? He played for the Royals, obviously, and what was he like as a man? Right. Harmon was a super guy. Absolutely super. Uh, met Ron, uh, Harmon at spring training. You know, we never played on the same team together because I never got a chance to get in the big leagues, but we were spring training together and uh, got to know Harmon. And then, of course, after my career and stuff, I'd I'd been to Harmon's uh, golf tournament, and uh, he had come up to Brainerd. Uh, we had a, a, a college team there. Of, uh, I guess it's called the Northwoods or something like that. And uh, for college players during the summertime, and he had thrown out the first pitch at one of those games, and we reunited there. And he didn't really have a way back to Minneapolis at the one time he was there. So I said, "Well, he's Harmon. I'll take you. I'll take you back there." So, so I gave him a ride back to Minneapolis. It's probably the longest time that I really had a chance to to visit with him. You know, on the on the ride back to Minneapolis. So. Got to know him pretty well, and uh, and then he got sick uh, a while after that, and and uh, oh, in about a week's time before he passed on, I knew he was getting bad, and I was telling my fiance at that time, uh, I said, I'll bet I'll, I I just got a feeling that Harmon's going to die on my birthday, you know, and it was about a week from from then, and uh, I just I could feel the vibes, you know. And sure enough, uh, two years ago today, May 17th, Harmon passed. Hmm. Wow. What a great career he had. Um, so 1965 then, you were used as an outfielder pretty much the whole season with uh, Coco in the Florida State League. Why was that, and were you okay with going to the outfield at that time? Was that something you agreed with? Yeah, uh, I'm going to backtrack just a second, Dave, and back to the rookie league. I uh, I played center field and pitched. When it was my turn oh, okay. to pitch, I pitched, and then the next day I was back out in center field. So I did I did both, both then, and then getting back to the uh, Rod Carew uh, deals that the draft came up, the winter draft came up at the end of that that year, '65, and houston had contacted me and told me that if minnesota doesn't protect you we're going to take you at the first pick because the houston had first pick so i knew minnesota told me that they wanted to keep me of course i'm minnesota bred they wanted to keep me and wanted me but they had room for one more guy on their roster and so they needed infielders the second baseman so that's why they kept rod carew so I kind of teased Rod about that, that they kept him instead of instead of me, but they made a pretty darn good choice. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I got to Houston. So I was the first pick by the Houston. And also you might say not only was I the first Kansas City Royals sign, but I was also the first a Houston Astro because you know what they were called before that? What? Houston Colt 45s. Oh, that's right. So, so You're the first Astro too? I was the first Astro wow. that was drafted there because – that's the year that they changed that that winners when they changed their name also. <laughs> you're you're a one in a million guy literally. Yeah, that's all I've done. <laughs> well, actually, one in what one point six billion on the earth. So you're that's one in one point six billion. I think. So to answer your question, now I'm with Houston, and uh, and in '65, yeah, I played uh, the Florida State League, and uh, Houston wanted wanted my power. They wanted me in the outfield. They wanted me a center fielder, and he, they told me eventually. They wanted me in center uh, to replace Jimmy Wynn, and we'd move him aside. But Jimmy was a very good center for center fielder, very good hitter, very good fielder. But that was my spot too, 
And like I said, I patterned myself after Willie Mays, and I could go get them, and I could throw, I could throw people out, and uh, just had to prove the, the hitting a little bit. And, uh, never got a lot of hitting when I lived up in Brainerd, you know, so I never had a lot of a lot of opportunities of training, you know, with, with hitting. But yeah, snow uh, and cold, right? <laughs> exactly, hit a lot of uh, snowballs. <laughs> but uh, no, I had I had good power. I had power and. And love to hit. It was fine with fine with me to to be in in the outfield. Yeah. So was the man with the straw hat involved in bringing you over to Houston? Then Did, do you remember his name, by the way? No, I don't. No. I don't. I, I don't know if if he was or not. If he uh, told the brass, hey, let's uh, draft him if he's available, you know, or not. I I don't know. <laughs> so your uh, second year, you went back to Coca with Houston, then in '66. And then pretty much pitching exclusively then. You were 9-7 and seven with a 2.47 ERA that second year with Coco. Anything stick out about that 66 season? No. Uh, not really, I guess. Not, re not really. It's a good league. The Florida State League is a good league. It's a tough league. You play in all the major league parks there for spring training at, oh. that, at, at that time, you know. So it was a uh, it was a good league. Well, then 1967, you had a great year for the Wisconsin Rapids in the Midwest League. You went 15 and nine, 18 complete games, and you threw 198 innings. And you played with uh, two future Casey Royals. I want to ask you if you have any memories of uh, Steve Braun and Tom Hall. Anything? Both about those guys? both good friends of mine. We were good teammates. Um, Steve. Uh, Kept in contact there for a while and lost contact because he was in the big leagues and and playing. Uh, uh, Tommy Hall uh, got called up. A lot of the guys thought I would get called up to Minnesota, and uh, because of the season I was having, but they needed left-handers, so they took uh, took little Tommy Hall. And he's they call him the Blade. <laughs> and he had a good good fastball and a real good curve. But they brought him up, and he d he did well up there in the, in the big leagues. And uh, but that's all right. I I figured my chance was coming. You know, there's some stuff I knew I had to work on yet. Uh, so uh, no, I had a, I had a good year there. Played uh, played against uh, some good guys too uh, that you remember here from Kansas City. Uh, Vita Blue played uh, played in that league. Uh, Alfred Morris played in that league. Uh, George Hendricks played in that league, so but we had a good league. You know, we had a good league. I just thought I'd be one of them to make the move sooner or later too. And there again, I got hurt down the road. But how how did you end up back with the Twins then? How did that? How did you go back from the Astros to the Twins? Uh, Minnesota bought me back. <laughs> I think they had to pay Houston twenty five thousand to get me back. It's like when you're a kid, you're trying to steal the thing back and forth. Yeah, you just kept getting stolen by those two teams, yeah, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, now, I find this stat amazing. Um, I actually had to dig deep. I don't even know if you know this stat. But you started 115 games in your professional career, and you finished with 66 complete games, which means you finished 57% of the professional games that you started. So <laughs> how in the world were you able to complete almost 60% of your starts? I always was a strong, strong pitcher. You know, I had a good, I had a good arm. I could throw forever. I always have. And uh, my main pitch was a, a sinking fastball, just automatic. A lot of people thought I turned it over, but I, I really didn't. It was just the way I released it, and it came out of my hands. But I had a good sinking fastball that just dived in on a right-handed hitter, and. Uh, if I was, if I was uh, too strong to beginning of a game, if if a team didn't get me by the by the second or third inning, they weren't going to get me. And being strong, I meant that maybe my ball wasn't sinking quite as much at that at that time. You know, I was just too pumped up and and uh, was probably just throwing too many too many good pitches. Those yeah, stay up a little bit. His play stayed up a little bit. It's right, but then after that arm got a little more loose and stuff and I you know it would tail down and then I had a real good hard slider to dip on the outside corner so and uh, that was my two main pitches and then I uh, had a good curveball sometimes uh, teams want you to either throw the curve or the slider because they 
too close to your release point uh, throwing them, and uh, you might hang too many curves or or not cut the slider good enough. But uh, but I did have a good curveball. So really, what I was uh, practice on, or I needed to learn uh, the last year or so of my uh, career before I got hurt was the changeup or you know off-speed pitches because that's the key of, of today's pitching against big league hitters to keep keep the hitter off balance you know there's there's not too many guys can throw uh, fastballs by big league hitters not uh, not unless you just catch them by surprise or something but big league hitters can hit big time fastballs so you got to keep keep hitters off balance but uh, I think I would have done all right if you know my my fastball had sunk and my heart slider away. And what'd you throw? How fast would what, what would you sit at? And what would you top at with your fastball? I'd say I probably topped out out at probably about ninety two. You know, so I'd go from ninety to ninety two, I imagine, in there. Well, that's a lot of complete games. That's shocking. So then, you, so you already mentioned being the first player with the Houston Astros, but then, of course, we want to talk about here in KC was April 25th, 1968, when you became the first ever player to sign a contract with the Kansas City Royals, the brand new expansion Royals. What do you remember about that day? Well, I uh, I came up home after Minnesota had released me. I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't go where they wanted me to go. And they were having riots and stuff there, and <laughs> I, I I've hardly seen a street fight up in Brainerd, Minnesota, let alone shooting people, you know, down south. So, right. so this was over in Carolina, and they wanted me to send me over there, and and there was a lot of riots, there a lot of stuff that went on back in the '60s that a lot of people today don't realize, you know. That's like our bus rides and stuff where we couldn't get in certain hotels, you know, or eat in certain restaurants because of having some blacks on the really? team and stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, so I uh, I wouldn't go, and they tried to work out a trade with Pittsburgh uh, for me, and something didn't materialize. So, they end up, after after a while, they, they gave me my release then. So, I came back up home and, and got in contact with a few ball clubs, and and uh, I knew that there was going to be four new teams joining the big leagues uh, the following year, which would be in 69. So uh, I ended up boiling it down to or narrowing it down to uh, Kansas City uh, Royals and the Detroit Tigers. And I uh, thought, well, I'd, I'd have a better opportunity with Kansas City since they're going to be a new team and everything. I knew they were going to get ball players and that, but still, I thought my chances would be would be better, so that's that's what got me there. So I was excited about it. I was excited, and when I s signed with them then, and they had no place to really put me in '68 because they weren't really established that much. But they they put me over in uh, uh, Dubuque, Iowa, and so that's where I got my start and played for Max Lanier mm -hmm. over there. A, a very nice guy, very good manager. He had a son that uh, played in the big leagues, uh, Hell Lanier. I think yeah. he played with Giants in uh, Pittsburgh, I think. Yeah. I don't know who else. But anyway, uh, I, I, I had a good, uh, a good season over there with, with Max. Where were you at when you signed that contract with the Royals? Were you just up at, at home or were you down here? Or? And does that contract still exist? That's another question I have for you. You know, I, I, don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't remember. I wonder that, or was. That, that should be in the Royals Hall of Fame. Maybe it's in there. Who knows? I've never looked for it before. <laughs> Don't look for too much money on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Not too many zeros. <laughs> yeah, not, not 68 for, for versus 2014. <laughs> Do you remember anybody you you spoke with early with the Royals? Any scouts or GMs or anybody that kind of found you or wanted you? Do you recall any names or anything? No, not not really. I didn't know, know too much about them. Yeah. Probably nobody did. Um, so is that something you treasure even today, being the first Astro and first Royal? That's got to be kind of a cool thing, right? Yeah, I think anytime you're a first at anything is uh, is memori memorable, you know. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I think about it, and I'm proud of it. I, I just wish I could have fulfilled their, their dreams, too, of having me 
uh, play, but unfortunately I got hurt with them. And uh, if that wouldn't have taken place or if we could have got the shoulder fixed up at that time, I believe I could have been a long-time Kansas City Royal. I think I had the ability and uh, uh, to, to be that way. They wanted me pitching, but if they didn't, I could hit home runs for them. So <laughs> either way, but uh, unfortunately uh, – we didn't have the medical technology, I guess, back at that time when I got hurt as they do today. Well, you mentioned that your your uh, Dubuque is where you started. Your first three games, um, you were awesome. You won all three of them. You were Midwest Player of the Month in that month of May, and then you finished 10-10 and 10 with a 3.42. That, that season in Dubuque, what's your favorite memory of that, you know, the first summer with the Royals? I think uh, – I went 13 innings, I think, one uh, one game, <laughs> and uh, I believe we lost it on a, on an inside the park home run. I think one of our guys crashed into the fence, and the ball just uh, rolled a little ways away from me. He couldn't retrieve it, and I believe uh, I believe I I don't remember if I was the pitcher at that time, but I know I went 13 innings. That's that was good, you know, holding somebody scoreless for 13 innings kind of unheard of today what was uh max lanier like as a man and as a manager very very good man very good man good manager he knows his baseball and uh kind of low-keyed guy and, uh, but very good guy max lanier was very good i like i like max a lot do you remember anything about the ballpark in dubuque was it nice not nice anything about that well they're most of the minor league parks back then were we're a little on the on the shady side, yeah. you know. <laughs> I'm sure they're not like like today's parks. I think some of the minor league parks they probably have spruced up a little bit. But uh, before we move on to the Carolina League, I want to ask you about one thing you just mentioned. Before I forget, tell me. So tell me about you know what you said you would be turned away from hotels when you had black players. What what was that like? Did that make you come together more as a team, and was that pretty ugly to witness? Oh yeah, yeah, we got along well, you know, and. Some of my best friends are are black people, you know, and so, it, you know, it kind of hurt me, and uh, I felt for them and stuff, you know. I mean, I I never was like that or racist or whatever they want to call it, you know. I'm uh, I'm from northern Minnesota, and and back in the day when I played ball around there, we never had a black guy in sight except for this one year, about 15 miles away, there was this pulp wood cutter by the name of Buck Cowden, and he played in our in our uh, city ball uh, league. So I was playing uh, with the Brainerd Braves, and he would be playing with the town called Crosby Ironton. And he was the only black around there in, in sight. And his name was Buck Cowden, and he was a pitcher. And I was up to the plate this one game, I remember, and he was throwing right-handed, and then all of a sudden he had switched switched his glove and he started throwing <laughs> left-handed really? so the guy was what do they call it amber yeah, dexterous amber or something yeah, yeah. yeah he could throw with either hand old buck cowden yeah yeah wow. old buck cowden could throw with either either hand either arm and he was a super old guy yeah <laughs> so that's what i remember about that but to answer your question about the traveling back when i played professionally yeah that kind of uh, you know i remember them days and that uh that just wasn't good, yeah. You just pull into a restaurant, and all of a sudden you go in there and get off your bus and go in to eat something, and the guy doesn't allow you in there because you got a couple you know, blacks on your team. But uh, that's one thing that's come a long ways to today. Yeah. You know, you know there's nothing like that now. It's ridiculous. So 1969, then you were in the Carolina League with High Point Thomasville. Now I found an old newspaper article in there. <laughs> archives i have no idea how i found it but uh some interesting things i discovered so around that time maybe a little bit before 1969 it said that you switched from the three four sidearm delivery to over the top delivery which added more velocity for you um around then is that about the time that happened i don't remember okay <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> well the article says so, so yeah i could come side i sideways once in a while i could come over the top but i don't remember if if I made any uh, particular change to the top yeah. versus the sidearm, I might have thrown a couple times from a sidearm or something, and the manager or pitching coach or whatever 
just said, you know, want you to come over the top or right, something right, like right. that, you know. Uh, of course, I do know that to a left-handed hitter, and that might have been the case too. Maybe, uh, maybe I came sideways uh, to a left-handed hitter, and they can see the ball a little better when you uh, when your arms out to the right. side like that. And that might have been drawn to my attention or something that way, maybe, you know, so that I wouldn't come sidearm to a to a left-handed hitter. But otherwise, yeah, I'd I'd mix it up different times. <laughs> There were some quotes from you around then, too. I need to print that article out, by the way, and get it to you so you can read it. But there were some quotes, too, that you were expecting to go to Omaha that year that you went to High Point were kind of frustrated about that. And you had, like, I think your son was six, maybe, at the time or something like that. So do you remember anything? You'd said you would had a great spring training and you thought you were going to Omaha, but they didn't have a spot or anything. Do you remember any details about that? No, I <coughs> – excuse me. I think every ball player, I think uh, – you know, if you're doing well or something, you kind of expect to kind of go up the notch, uh, up the ladder a little bit. And uh, I thought I'd had a couple pretty good years before that, and of course we're still learning and stuff. But you know, your fellow players know what you can do. And every spring I've had a good spring. I don't care who I was with, I always had a good spring. And you always hear the good vibes from your other teammates, you know, about how you're doing and and uh, that you expect to be uh, either going to the big leagues or heading up north with them or this or that so so yeah i thought uh i thought i probably uh should have at that time maybe got a shot at going going to omaha but uh evidently you know their their plans were all set already you know with the players they wanted and uh and there again it's uh, you know wait your turn you know and i knew it was still like anybody else they probably have things to work on but mm-hmm. I mean, today, today, I know that these kids are up in the big leagues just working on stuff. Yeah. I I mean, I know that for a fact in Minnesota, <laughs> you know, watching all their games that they're bringing these kids up and uh, or back and forth from AAA or AA and putting them up there. And uh, it's like on the, on the job learning. Yeah. You know, and they never had that back right. in my day. You know, it's on the job learning for a lot of players today, and they stick with you, and they – they just ride the waves right with you, you know, and some of them end up getting it or getting a little better, and then they can stick it out, But and then some of them don't. But, yeah, different but, time back then. But they're sure getting their chance. Right, right. Um, while you're with High Point, um, something happened today that we'll talk about, but you had a string of 33 scoreless innings in a row. You did that with High Point, and I guess it would have been, what, 45 years ago today. You're a pretty good start, huh? Yeah, yeah. Th- yeah. <laughs> On your 24th birthday, you threw a shutout on that day, and then uh, you finished 11-10 and 10 with a 2.50, 15 of 23 games you completed. So High Point Thomasville, do you remember that shutout in your birthday or anything else about that year? I, I don't recall uh, what I did on some of my birthdays, but I do know that I always tried to make it a special on that day, and every birthday that I've had when I played ball, I did do something. I either pitched well or if I was hitting, I'd probably hit a home run something like that so so yeah that was special and just as special as today i mean i mean i can't believe this that it's on my birthday today and here i am getting interviewed now with kansas city royals <laughs> yeah i didn't even know it was your birthday today yeah. either <laughs> i know everything else about you i probably should have known that right <laughs> uh so a guy who seems like a great baseball man the late harry malmberg i know he managed several you know, with your team and then later Royals players that were up here and helped develop them, the skipper in High Point. What was Harry Malmberg like? Harry's a very good guy, very good guy. Baseball knowledge, you know. Uh, I don't know, what can I say? He uh, he tried to give everybody a fair fair shot, you know. And I don't know how much the manager's hands are tied or or how much authority they got to to do things, you know. Us ball players, I guess, just never hear what goes on. Probably you know, a good thing. In, yeah, yeah, in the offices, you know, or stuff like that. So, yeah, all I can say is, yeah, he was, he was a good manager. You played with several future Royals while with High Point. Some of them you may remember, some of you may not. But I'll ask you about a few of them. Uh, remember anything? I think Jim Rooker was only there for like two games, but anything stick out about his time? Yeah, Rooker. Yeah. Yeah, we went out a couple nights. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually talked to him about a week ago. He told me about his old party days. Yeah, yeah. That's about it, though. Jim was a good, good left-handed pitcher. 
He told oh. me on his uh, his first day with the Pirates, the Royals traded into the Pirates, and they the manager called him in his office and said, "Oh, we we hear you have quite the reputation as going out at night. Don't do any of that stuff over here." And then he said that him and Bob Johnson got arrested that night. Yeah. They, they were in jail that night, and the Pirates never found out about it. He said, "Luckily." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim Jim was a good guy. Yeah, very good guy. Uh, how about uh, anything about um, Jerry Cram? Jerry Cram, well, uh, we're, we're good friends together. Yeah, I've known Jerry for a long time. And uh, in fact, I still think he's uh, with the Giants now as a as a coach, yeah. uh, as one of their minor league teams or whatever. So I, I saw him uh, oh, a couple of years ago. I talked to him down spring training there. Uh, <clears throat> Jerry had a uh, real good curveball too. Uh, he surprised you with his fastball. Had a good curveball, and that's I think basically what got got him to to hang in there. How about uh, Monty Montgomery? Monty, Monty, good, good pitcher, also. Yeah. There yeah. was also two others. There was Scott Northy. I think Scott an outfielder. Northy, outfielder. Yeah. 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 Scott Northy, uh, fast. Uh, Scott was fast little little kid. Yeah. 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 And then uh, Jim York, who I believe didn't he pitch with the Astros too? I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. Jim, yeah Jim York, good pitcher too. Yeah. Just yeah. like you, Astros and Royals. Yeah. Uh, so as things would turn out, then 1970 would be your last season in pro ball at AA Elmira in the Eastern League. So we talked a little bit, but kind of tell, when did you start feeling the arm and shoulder issues? Well, actually, it was a carryover from the end of the, the year before that. Uh, my arm was kind of hurting. There's a, there's a difference day between your arm just hurting and an injury, and I always thought I had hurt mine. It was injured some way, but uh, of course they, uh, when you when you struggle a little bit, they think that maybe uh, you're just uh, arms a little stiff, and uh, you know you can throw better than what you are. But but mine was hurting, and I I've always all my life throwed whether it was hurting or not. But uh, I threw the first couple games or whatever there, and I uh, it it was hurting. It just continually would get worse each time I played uh, were to the point where I just really couldn't cut loose when I was on the mound. I, I, I tried. The manager said, throw the ball, you know, throw it hard, you know. And I said, I'm trying. And, you know, I was, but he, d he didn't believe that. So I, uh, I tried to throw hard. So then I just had to just try to finesse the hitter, you know, a little this, a little that. And try to, you know, keep them off balance and stuff and it it didn't work out the best that way and and they didn't like what they saw, I guess, you know, so they they end up releasing me, but they didn't know that the pain I was going through and that maybe they could have sought it out a little better and and they got me to some specialist or something and find out what the problem was. You know, but they're used to seeing me going out there over the years and just throwing and uh it it really wasn't uh, really wasn't me, you know. So I wish I, I wish I could have got it well. So I really could have showed him, you know. I could have cut loose, but it uh, it wasn't. And and up till about uh, well, let me see, four years ago now, I guess it was. I'm 69 today, and it was back when I got on Medicare at 65 years old because I hadn't had insurance before that. I. Uh, got on Medicare and I thought well I'm going to find out what this shoulder is really all about because I've had it all these years and uh, finally I went and had an MRI done and we never had MRIs and stuff back when I played in the 60s so I had an MRI done and it was a, a tear in my bicep tendon hmm. that goes from bicep through your shoulder and stuff and so that was never detected and uh, I guess if anybody's had that, they know the pain that I was in when I was throwing. And you had that your whole life, then, and you still haven't fixed it yet, have you? No, not right now. I haven't. No, and there's no <laughs> sense unless Kansas City can use me. Well, <laughs> then we'll get it fixed. <laughs> we need some. We need some offense right now. We're not scoring runs. You want to suit up tonight and go into center field? Maybe. <laughs> 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 I'm only partially kidding, by the way. <laughs> I am uh, too. It'd be nice though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see here. What's my next question here? Um, so a couple guys that you played with, Al uh, Almira. You may not remember some of these guys because you weren't there real long. But anything about Jim Campanis stick out? Yeah, Jim Campanis. Yeah, because I remember Jim when uh, we went to spring training together. So he was a, he was a catcher. He caught me different times. So 
Another guy, I believe, passed away maybe the next year in a car accident. Juan Rios, infielder. Anything about him? No, I didn't know too much about Juan, no. And then there was the outfielder who had a cup of coffee in the majors, Keith Marshall. And Keith Marshall, yeah, a tall, lanky kid, uh, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just knew him somewhat, you know, and seemed like a good ball player, but I didn't, uh, didn't know him real close. You remember stuff pretty well. I'm pretty impressed with all these years later. Um, so how tough was it then to walk away from baseball after 1970? It's tough to today. Is it? Yeah. 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 Baseball and sports was my life, and especially baseball, since you started at four years old. And, yeah, it hurt bad when I, when I couldn't play anymore. Um, I don't know. I keep searching and wishing that somebody would have done something about it. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to call, you know, but – I just wish it would have got taken care of and uh, and I could have continued playing. And yeah, I uh and now with the as I'm as I've been growing up uh all the new stadiums and the uh, money tossed around and everything it uh it would have been great. Would have been great, but I wouldn't give uh playing back then uh uh a shadow of doubt that it was every bit as good as to playing today. Yeah. I mean, we, I don't know, I suppose the guys got to watch uh, what they do today with the money they make and everything, but I mean, we were more of a, a team and went out together and did this and that and, and stuff, but uh, things are just different. I mean, life is like that today, you know. Things are just different today than they were 50 years ago, you know, so... But yeah, I, I I answer your question. Yeah, I, m I miss it very much. Uh, what are your favorite memories? If you had to just kind of pick out a couple things about just being with the Kansas City Royals organization, when you think back all these years later, what do you think of the whole Royals organization? Um, I I believe they've had a, a great organization. I I was glad to be signed by Kansas City. Just wish it would have worked out uh, better. But I have followed Kansas City a lot. Uh, boy, they did win the World Series. You can't, you can't knock that. Um, they've uh, been in contention different years. Uh, they rebuild like any other team does. Uh, I thought this year, you know, they would have a good team. I think they're just struggling a little bit at times now. But they'll find themselves, and they'll end up having a, a good year this year also. Uh, so... Uh, no, I've been following them, following them close. Have you kept in touch with any of uh, the guys that played for the Royals, or you know, are you friends with anybody we haven't mentioned in this that had a career here in Kansas City? No, not really. A friend of mine, you know, passed away a few years ago. Paul Splitorf, oh, you know, yeah. friend of mine, and uh, I was sorry that that happened. We loved him. He was great on TV too. Yeah. Uh, other than that, no, I really don't know. Uh, Really don't know the guys today. How'd you get to know Split? Well, we started in ball together, you know, down spring training when I was with Kansas City. Yeah. So. Um, well, in summary, then, uh, well, actually, one other question: What have you? So, what have you been up to since 1970? Kind of tell us about your journey through life. Well, I, I went back home when I got released, and uh, I worked for Coca-Cola the sales rep for Coca-Cola, and uh, I was married at the time. Um, my wife's folks had a car dealership down in uh, Ames, Iowa, and they kind of kept talking about us moving down there and me learning the, us learning the car dealership because someday they thought maybe we could take over the car dealership if they're ready to retire. But uh, got down. We did make the move down there then, and... Uh, I did a lot of work at the car dealership, learning different uh, aspects of the car dealership, uh, from selling to parts and everything else. But ended up getting a divorce there, and uh, this guy in town there uh, had a softball team, a slow pitch softball team, and I wanted to play ball of some sort. <laughs> so he <laughs> a little bit bigger ball. I thought maybe I had a better chance. <laughs> right. So uh, he had a uh, adjustment company for uh, hail damage and car damage and stuff, and I don't know if I wanted to work with him and play softball on his team. He sponsored a couple teams he had. 
but he had an opening up in Fort Dodge, so I went to Fort Dodge and and I did claims adjusting there and and we were, it was a ball game going on down in Des Moines or a tournament. He'd he'd call me up and say I got to be down there even if I had an appointment someplace. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a cool boss and, right there. Blow off work for baseball. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I got a consequently I got a couple speeding tickets going from Fort Dodge <laughs> down Des Moines, but he took care of it no problem. So <laughs> he probably knew the cops pretty well too. I don't know. Right. 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 Big John, I call him. His name was John Davis, but he a heck of a nice guy, and he ran this adjustment company. But then they had an opening over in uh, Omaha, so I kind of thought, God, I'd like to go over to Omaha and work over there. And he didn't care if I went over there. So so I went over to Omaha and started adjusting over there, and we rely a lot on hail damage, and we didn't get uh, very much hail next two, three years, whatever. Of course. Kind of a drought in it, yeah. So he kind of had to cut back and kind of let me go. And I liked the area there real well, so I uh, met a lot of friends there. So I had to look around for a job, and I got on with uh, Aflac. And I know many of you have seen the Aflac commercials on TV, which I think are probably the best. The duck, yeah. Uh, so uh, so I sold cancer insurance and that, and uh, and then ended up uh, wanting to go back to Minnesota. And so I sold it back there. Until I finally got out of it after about 20 years of doing that, selling cancer insurance. And that was a good feeling, too, because uh, it gave people money if they had a cancer plan over and above their regular insurance. Oh, that's cool. So it helped uh, with offset a lot of additional expenses that, you know, you can accumulate, you know, when you're, when you're sick like that. Or for, the, or for the healthy one, your spouse might have to leave work or something and be with you or, or whatever. But so I was... Uh, I was happy to be selling that. I, it, it's a form of helping people, you know, so I, I like that. So anyway, I was done with that, and uh, then I did just a little few part-time things, like uh, worked at the golf course, you know, around town, and and uh, I was a porter at a car dealership, oh, really? you know, moving cars around. And Right now, I'm not doing anything, just looking forward to the summer warming up a little and uh, doing a little fishing. So that's about it. And you met uh, your your spouse Glenna too through work, right? Yeah, yeah. Glenna I met her when I moved back from Omaha back to back to Brainerd. So it's been uh, oh, that was about '97, I guess, something like that. Very nice. Well, and thanks a lot for your time, by the way. And for this has been a fantastic interview. I guess in summary, what would you like to say to anyone listening, and to, you know, in particular, any fans of the Kansas City Royals? Well, just don't give up on your Royals. It, you know, everybody has their ups and downs. I have your ups and downs in life or whatever you do. So just stick to what you're doing and then give it your best and uh, just hopefully uh, things will turn out for you. Well, thanks so much for uh, for all your time and, and happy birthday. And let's go get some lunch. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>